This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your host here, Jeff Lloyd, we're going to sit down with Pete Smith from SI.com, Browns Digest, as everybody knows over there, uh, to bring you your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Today's episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by Built Bar. Remember, use promo code Locked On. Go to BuiltBar.com, get $10 off your first box, grab one of their 16 flavors, pair it with your morning beverage, get your morning off to a start, or just pack one away into the briefcase, the satchel, whatever, in case you need a quick snack, quick pick-me-up. Got all the protein, some sugars, all the stuff to uh, get you through your day. Uh, Pete, we're starting today is the day we're going to start start opening facilities, and I think this is one thing where people are getting confused here. We're going to, you know, with all openings within states and things of this nature, um, and we're certainly going to see how this works with the NFL facilities is it's nothing we're going to know truly an answer to in 24, 48, 72 hours. This is something where we're going to start to see something within 10 to 14 days and start to see where numbers go from there. I think people you know, have a big, big misconception here. And even with some of these states opening and the numbers kind of rising a little bit, you don't know truly what is the cause of that just yet. Maybe being open might not be the best thing. But you don't have any real numbers to work with because from everything we've been told about this virus is everything it's, you know, it's 10 to 14 days after the fact. Well, I mean, the the opening they're doing is is an important step. It's a necessary step, but it doesn't do anything for, the, for, for teams yet. I mean, they're only allowing um some of the staff to go in there they're allowing like trainers and stuff to go in there they're allowing players that are rehabbing to go in there but like coaches can't go in there players can't go in there and they're going to be you know the last people to go in um because there's you know it, 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 it's sort of uh, disgusting as it sort of sounds as, as, as much as you know bill from accounting getting COVID 19 would suck for the NFL, it's a whole lot different than if, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets COVID-19 and what that sort of means for everybody. So, um, you know, they're going to be the last people in, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, players and coaches aren't truly allowed in there until basically what would be training camp anyway, um, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier than that to try to sort of make up for some of the lack of uh, mini camps and stuff and OTAs, but, um, and we'll see, I mean, July, if that, if that's the case is two months away and, and, you know, the, the complexion of this whole thing may change, but they're just sort of trying to ease their way in. Uh, and this restores what was the situation, uh, before they shut the facilities down. So, you know, that, that was sort of the last step they took before they just, uh, shut the whole thing down. But, um, you know, whether it's a dramatically improved situation in two months or, you know, we have to essentially have uh, teams enter what amount to be biodomes uh, to sort of cut them off from the rest of the population to ensure they don't get sick. Uh, that remains to be seen. But at least for the moment, you know, this is a step in the right direction. It just doesn't mean much of anything. It's still... Uh, Zoom, it's still virtual classrooms, it's still, you know, the status quo for coaches and players.
I think you made the point here, and I agree with you there. It's um, sadly, some of these people are actually going to be looked at and viewed as this crash test dummy, so to speak. They're going to be in these positions, um, see where it goes um, before you start, you know, upping the numbers and obviously levels of importance of people that would be in the facility. Um, Pete, this is one. And look, the numbers aren't as far as arrests. They're nor- down normal from where they've been this time of year here. But you still have some of these guys, and whether it's Cody Latimer, whether it's DeAndre Baker and you know uh, Dunbar, these guys just continue to put themselves in just really, really, really bad situations. And you know, part of it is also though, I mean, if you're looking at it from a franchise standpoint, yeah, granted, some of these guys live in different places, they have more liberties, probably what they can do with their free time, but really, really bad situations. Well, I mean. The Dunbar situation might be the most hopeful, I guess, if you're, you know, uh, of the opinion you'd rather see him not get in trouble. Um, it's it's the DeAndre Baker situation is uh, complicated and uncomfortable. I mean, Ed Oliver, you know, there's that one's pretty easy, and it's sad and it's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I mean. And, and the 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 Latimer situation is disturbing. Um, if you read the details on that one, that's um, wow. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, this is part of the reason I think some of these teams were sort of pushing to hold off on the draft is because they didn't want to pick players who they then couldn't do anything with, only to have them essentially be in a situation where you know, they could get themselves in trouble. In other words, if you took, you know, a first-round pick and you, you drafted him at the end of April and you don't see him, you know, in person until July, I'm mean, obviously the the Zoom thing, the, the, uh, you know, that's that's a game changer and sort of at least allows them to be somewhat productive. But that was that was a reasonable fear that, you know, you take your your first-round pick in April and then you're you're sitting there waiting until July and they go and do something you know, stupid uh, and get themselves arrested or whatever, you've essentially just basically like flushed your pick without ever actually getting to, you know, see them in person, which is, you know, a pretty terrifying thing. And obviously when it comes to the NFL, you know, four, four in four arrests or whatever in the course of a week um, never looks good. I mean, obviously it's still a, a tiny percentage of the overall, uh, labor force in terms of the NFL and you know it, it sort of gets overblown to how many people are you know bad apples so to speak but uh, it's certainly something you're worried about and it's you know not always players it's some some of the guys uh, the players hang out with or uh, don't get out of their lives or you know occasionally it's just situations that don't um, that are truly unexpected, but like in the case of most of these, it's, you know, guys, you know, guys who were with people they knew, you know, and it became something else. And now, you know, the, these teams are answering questions and trying to figure out what's, what, what to do next. I mean, DeAndre Baker was basically told, look, you go, you go focus on, on your legal stuff. We'll be here. Oh, and, you know, DeAndre Baker, 
Um, you know, and apparently it was, you know, one incident led to the second incident and, you know, however you want to plan it out, but apparently, you know, there were getaway cars and all this type of stuff. And, you know, for the Giants, obviously, you know, it was a, it was a pick that, you know, came with some question marks at the time, as far as work ethic, as far as all field. Um, and, you know, when you make those decisions, you know, there's a good probability that sometimes you're going to come back to bite you in the ass. Certainly doesn't help that, um, you know, he should probably be been, you know, in OTAs and, you know, not just traveling around with friends and getting, in a mischief, so to speak, trouble, so to speak. But it kind of led to the situation the Giants are in now, where this was a guy that, you know, obviously they were hoping for, you know, maybe had high hopes for here in year two of his career after a shaky rookie year and did nothing to uh, basically uh, improve that. We're going to get some more here. Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Browns. The best tasting protein bar. It's just hard to explain until you've experienced it. Real chocolate, amazing flavors. Um, mint chocolate cream is another one. Almond toffee, big, fa- uh, big fans that I am of those. Um, they're not gritty. There's no aftertaste. Uh, it's just good. Actually, at times, I mean, it, there are some flavors that actually just even taste like a candy bar. Amazing combination of low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. So if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. The secret, that's Built Bars, how it tastes so good, and it is so good for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off your first box. Uh, you can customize your box for the flavors you want. So if you're a first-time user, you can go with stuff that you think, you know, you're probably going to like better. Like I said, 16 flavors. Uh, Built Bar's got you covered. Um, if you're a nut-free household, you know, do a child or somebody, um, certainly have any, uh, pl- uh, plenty of variations that you can go to, you know, to keep that out of the house. BuiltBar.com, again, use the promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box. Pete, uh, you've been uh, starting to cover positional uh, rankings here within the you know AFC North here. Obviously, defensive line coming up here. Um, as all our listeners know, we've been harping on this for ages about the Browns here. 100% not there yet, but finally getting to the point here where it's it's a more stable, deep group, and you're not playing bodies just due to the fact that you're trying to get some guys some blows here. You're going to be repping in guys in and out that you have some confidence in to make a difference. Uh, right. So, you know, the, you're in that time of year where you're sort of just looking at stuff to sort of look, talk about. And, you know, some of the position groups with, you know, this division pretty straightforward. Um, if you rank quarterbacks, it's basically a question of, do you have Ben Roethlisberger or Lamar Jackson, number one, followed by Baker Mayfield and then Joe Burrow because he hasn't played like for the most part, you know, those positions tend to be pretty easy to figure out. And just thinking about it, uh, I thought about it from the, the defensive line, and all the teams in the AFC North are really good up front. Um, they all have an elite player. They all go about six deep, if not more. Um, and it was just a question of trying to sort them out. And then even that, it got sort of divided up into, you know, the overall talent of the group. and then you know, who, who, you know, what, what's the best group you could put out there, you know, game on the line. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Browns, they're last year, they were so top heavy. Um, you know, there was an ex- expectation that the combination of Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon would be just absolutely overwhelming. And, it didn't happen 
in the way we thought it would. Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon were both really, really good, but Sheldon Richardson sort of picked up like after the bye week and most of his best play was with Garrett suspended and Vernon out with a knee. So you never got to sort of see that whole group come together. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi did not have a good year. And, you know, I can, I've harped on this forever and I continue to believe this, that Larry Ogunjobi has always been at his best when he's had another uh, true, true nose. Cause he's not a true nose. He's, he's really useful in terms of like a gap penetrator and, and, you know, being a pass rusher as a nose and, and could work as a three as well. But he, he, you know, it, it's very difficult when you're that as small, relatively speaking, as small as he is to just sort of take the amount of reps and pounding that he would get over the course of the year and he'd wear down and, and those type of things. And, you, you know, you go from Danny Shelton to now bringing in Andrew Billings, who's that guy, you, you know, he's the guy who's going to take on those run reps, uh, a heavy load of those and allow Larry Ogunjobi to sort of be more specialized and hopefully, you know, bring back the best of him in addition to the fact that the contract here, you hope he's, he's going to be uh, good anyway. I mean, it's not like he, it's for lack of effort on his part. He's just uh, some bad luck and some other things have gotten in the way. And then you add Adrian Claiborne, who is, I, I just think is a, a really, really good signing because I, I think that move gives the Browns the best set of defensive ends in the division. Um, and they can put him in at right end because he's never going to play anywhere else and put Garrett inside or, or whatever and have a group of, you know, Claiborne, who's just really effective at defeating blocks as a pass rusher, Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, and Olivier Vernon on the field at the same time. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a really difficult group, group to sort of block. And then last but certainly not least, you have a guy like Jordan Elliott, who's a third-round pick, and his expectations are basically nil, which is, is the best thing that can probably happen for him, not only because our rookie's potentially going to be at a really big disadvantage due to the fact they can't get the you know mini camp and OTA reps they would they would be uh that you know he could essentially be just sort of a nice little surprise in you know in a pl- place that the Browns need they need another three and then the style he plays could really be helpful in other words if the Browns are are really all about you know, sending the defensive ends of the field to sort of contain and prevent guys like Lamar Jackson and, and now Joe Burrow from sort of escaping the pocket, then a power player like Elliott could theoretically, you know, drive, or at least this is what, you, what you're hoping to get from him, be able to drive a guard or a center into the backfield and sort of really eliminate escape lanes or the ability to step up and throw in the pocket. So, you, you know, we're still sort of waiting to see if they're going to get another edge rusher or if they if they like a guy like Porter Gustin or somebody else to sort of come up. I, I'm not convinced they don't like Porter Gustin because I, I've mentioned this. Like, I know people have talked about Clay Matthews and stuff, but uh, like – and Clay Matthews had eight sacks or whatever last year, which is, you know, great. You'd love to get that. But – you know, if you go by pro football focus, and this is, you know, this is its own topic, 
whether you believe in that or not. Porter Gustin obviously didn't play nearly as many snaps as, as, as Matthews did, but he graded out better. And he's 23, and he's really athletic. He's really talented. And he, you know, he might be a guy where they look at him and they say, this guy has a potential future with the team, whereas a guy like Clay Matthews is, is a one-year dealer. I know Vinny Curry's been mentioned as a one-year deal, and I don't hate that idea either. But it's just the possibility that you're saying, uh, we'd like to get another young guy in there, uh, Adrian Claiborne, obviously uh, uh, north of 30 at this point. And, and he's, again, he's very, very good. I really like what he brings, but I think they want to balance it out a little bit. And if it's a guy like Gustin, uh, that would be pretty good. But, you know, again, it comes down to, can they all put it together? There's obvious expectations they have to meet. Um, they all have to stay on the field, but they're really, really, really good. Um, well, now, Gustin, now, look, I'm, you know, obviously I, I spoke about him when the Browns signed him. I spoke about him during the season here. You go back two years, two years ago from today, essentially, Porter Gustin was one of the top 30 players going into the college football season. Uh, you know, it had an injury history. Um, you know, there was the uh, failed test for, I believe it was Adderall, something like that, at the combine here. Um, they were able to get him in here. But, yeah, I mean, the guy is big. He's athletic. He's good-sized. Um, he's not a linebacker. Um, he's definitely a true defensive end. It does bring up a couple of other names though, Pete, maybe a Vinnie Curry, a Marcus Golden, um, which I could see them doing if the money was right here. I mean, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with essentially too many pass rushers. Right. Uh, Vinnie Curry's fine. I think he's in the mix of the type of guy they want. They may not want him at this point, uh, based entirely on age. Marcus Golden to me is, is, not realistic it's not to say he's not a good player it's that the only reason he's not signed is because there's there's a belief that the giants aren't convinced they can't get Jadevian Clowney um and I don't know if that's really a trade-off you want to make for the giants but nevertheless um uh, that appears to be the only reason they haven't gotten this deal done with Clowney like or with uh Golden like everything is waiting on Clowney like Everson Griffin's still out there waiting on Clowney. Golden waiting out there for Clowney. Uh, and, and maybe even Vinnie, Vinnie Curry, to some ex, uh, extent, is is waiting on, on, on Clowney. Just because whatever happens in terms of the Clowney deal, you know, you you might be able to get a little bit more money because suddenly some of these teams are are hurting for a defensive end, and 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 you have a little bit more of a uh, leverage point at that in that, but I think I, I I'm not I, I don't want to rule anything out, but I, I don't know if 31 year old Vinnie Curry is the way they want to go. Again, I don't I, I would not hate the idea. I, I I think you know it comes to nose tackles and uh, depth pass rushers. Free agency is a really really good place to get them. I just don't know if they want to do it three times. Uh, if they, if they, if it, again, a lot depends on, do they think Porter Gustin is a guy that can, can get better and, and keep growing? If he can, then, then, then he may sort of naturally fill that. If he can't, then, you know, we're going to have to deal with this in the draft and free agency next year anyway, because they're going to have to replace Olivier Vernon. Uh, and uh, I mean, Claiborne's on a two-year deal, but you know, it's really probably more like a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so, it's an interesting question, but yeah, I think 
I think Marcus Golden is 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 a tease uh, by virtue of the fact that it's it, it's just all waiting on Clowney. Um, and you know, anytime him and Buscook and they'd like to settle this year, so we can kind of get done with the rest of free agency, which seems odd, odd here as we're approaching Memorial Day weekend. Gets a little crazy, gets a little long in the tooth. Uh, I guess we'll sneak in one more listener question here before we get to a break here, and then uh, finish up with uh, obviously the last dance here. Uh, DJ Montgomery, Pete, was a guy who showed a lot of promise in the summer of 2019. Uh, the hamstring um, question on basically where he is at now, you know, within the standing. Uh, one thing for him, uh, I think the deep speed will play well with something that will be a heavy play action offense. But with two tight ends, uh, with a fullback here, it's going to be interesting, you know. And DJ, look, we don't know, um, you know what he could uh, potentially provide on special teams. And the other thing is, is they brought in guys to maybe kind of fill those roles. So even if he is a factor there, he's going to be second, third, possibly fourth option here. DJ option. I mean, DJ Montgomery, it was a nice story last summer. I'd um, like to see it continue here. And I think he's got some value in this league somewhere. I'm just not sure whether or not that place is going to be clear. Well, I mean, if you're Andrew Berry and company, it's Stefanski, you, DJ Montgomery is found money. Um, you didn't do anything to get him and he's here and he's, Freakishly athletic, out of Austin P, uh, with with tremendous speed for the position. He's you know he's not he he's a little bit older. Uh, he was way more productive, but he's a lot like Donovan Peoples Jones from that standpoint. In terms of Donovan Peoples Jones is obviously going to be trying to win a job as as a kick and punt returner. I think that's a given, but I also think that. He and Montgomery and maybe a guy like Ratley and some of these other guys are all trying to win sort of that deep spot. You know, that, 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 that guy who can stretch the field, who's not named Odell Beckham. Um, Because if, if you've got an offense, which features, you know, Beckham and Landry and Hooper and, and Njoku and, and if the offense works like you hope it does, um, then, you know, that guy who can come in and stretch the field can, can theoretically get lost and create some explosive plays, you know, like Brashad Perryman did a couple of years ago. And that could be a really valuable position. And they may not get, you know, 50 catches. They may get 25, but they may, you know, get like 400 yards on, on those just by virtue of what this offense is trying to be able to do. So, you know, DJ, DJ Montgomery, I think is in the mix for that. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to handicap it. I think the Browns are going to play this largely straight, but his combination of size and speed is valuable. And he did look promising last year. I, I presume he's fully healthy. I presume he's, you know, getting ready to go for this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's a guy I really liked. I, I think he's a guy that, um, I don't want to say people are sleeping on because that's ridiculous. He's, you know, he's like he might be the eighth wide receiver right now trying to compete for six. Um, but <laughs> I, I just, he's a guy I just wouldn't forget about in terms of if he starts, if they get to practice and stuff and camp and, and, and he starts showing things, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It doesn't guarantee he'd make the team. I just think when he was brought in, uh, by John Dorsey and that crew. I thought, I, I think he's a guy who, who could find a role 
whether it's here or somewhere else? Uh, I mean, he certainly showed well and certainly had eyes on him. And that was one of, you know, John Dorsey's smarter moves was, you know, kind of stashing him away here for when it was possibly going to be a bigger need in 2020. God, <laughs> did we not know that maybe he would have been possible integral part of what could have been 2019, but different story, different day. Uh, more coming here. Locked on Browns. Pete Smith, join your host here, Jeff Lloyd. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. Also, guys, um, in this you know time of need and where it's tough here, uh, you know, your hometown businesses, look, these big franchises, they've been given the opportunities to essentially be saved. It's these small family-owned business, Brian Zabo and Zabo Apparel. They are now back open in Vermilion. Uh, obviously, everything is done under the safe lens. Go to Zabo Apparel, get all your good brown stuff, get all your Cleveland stuff, Browns, Indians, Cavs, whatever. Um, go check out Brian Zabo, Zabo Apparel in Vermilion or ZaboApparel.com. Also, Instagram and Twitter at Zabo Apparel, S Z A B O. So, Pete, we reached the finale of the last dance. And obviously, you know, all the talk of, you know, the poison pizza. Um, and then, you know, I, I want to get to the last one because I, I just, I just cannot understand the stupidity of just letting it all just say, you know what, we're good with a second three Pete, even though every one of these players essentially is probably still on the top of their game and we would have a certain, certain solid chance, chance to make it four in a row. Well, I don't believe the pizza thing at all. Um, maybe pizza was involved, but no, I, I just, I'm sorry. It just it it, it strains any uh, credulity that you're suggesting that five people were allowed to deliver a pizza to Michael Jordan. You're that they couldn't find something to get him. Uh, I, I you know I've always you know Mike Wilbon has always called it the the sick game. I always assumed it was a hangover from playing cards or whatever. Uh, whether it was in Vegas or somewhere else. Um, and then he may have gotten sick on top of that, but I don't think it was ever as simple as, you know, they got a pizza, it was bad, food poisoning, because it's it's the stupidest cover-up in sports history. Like, among stories that just are dumb, that had impacts on championships, it's that and it's Harry Connick Jr.'s band moving Thurman Thomas's helmet, which forced uh, <laughs> what's-his-face into the game uh, and fumbled the ball. Yeah, like, th- those are just, just so stupid. Like, if you're the Buffalo Bills or you're Buffalo Bills fans, how, how have you not, like, basically, did you not string up Harry Connick Jr.'s band after that? Uh, but uh, as far as... Uh, running it back another year. Um, it's interesting. Strike shortened season or lockout shortened season, whatever. It was a 50 game regular season. Certainly that would have benefited the, the Bulls. Um, Rodman was gone. Pippen, I mean, they're talking about how he, they would have convinced him to stay. I, I It's hard to believe. Uh, I I don't doubt Jordan would have done it. I I don't know if Phil would have. You had that whole issue with Jerry Krause. And then 
Tony Kukoc is a good player. You had some other guys that were were pretty good, but they were an older team. And at some point you'd think fatigue would give you a problem. Um, I I don't doubt that they could have gotten back to at least the Eastern Conference Finals based on just what the rest of the East was doing. Largely it was awful. Um, But that Spurs team was really good. And I don't know if, they would have been able to sort of do much about it. But if you're making a case that they should have run it back to find out, I have no problem with that. And I think the overall um, documentary, if we're calling it that, based on true story, um, Jerry Reinsdorf got off so easy relative to how bad he actually was. And Jerry Krause took every bullet and arrow that, that should have been aimed at Reinsdorf because like all these things, are being pinned on, on, on Kraus, but they're entirely Reinsdorf. Like the whole thing about talking about like market value and all this other stuff, like even when they were winning championships, like Jerry Reinsdorf is sitting there worried about penny pinching like the whole time. And I, I don't hate his whole stance on the whole Scotty Pippen thing. You know, he seemed to give him the option of look uh, you shouldn't take this contract if you do you have to sort of stick with it all that like that part didn't bother me but like from then on it's basically like jerry Krause is getting crushed and he and he has his own faults and his own issues he has to sort of take blame for and his his desperate quest for credit but i think i think jerry reinsdorf got up way too easy overall and i and i think i thought it was interesting that how jordan like jumped out of his seat almost at the notion that he was going to get to see what Jerry Reinsdorf said about, you know, the whole idea of whether or not to bring it back uh, for another year. And then last but not least, I would only suggest that, you know, 20 years have passed. um, And it's certainly much easier to say, yeah, I would have got, we were ready to go, go back and get another one now, as opposed to, you know, had it actually been an option, you know, Jordan was gassed. Uh, He'd get hurt the next year. And again, I I think it's interesting, especially in a 50 game regular season. I I, I, I certainly understand the the curiosity with what would have happened if they, if they may have gotten back to take on the Spurs. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I don't think they would have won, but obviously I, I don't know if that's necessarily the point. Well, your Reinsdorf <clears throat> point, and guys, pardon me here, I'm struggling here. Alex has been kicking my ass the last couple of days. Um, right, it could have been really simple. Well, you know what? I want to run it back. And, well, Jerry Krause, well, this is what we committed to doing. All right, well, you're fired. I'll get somebody else in here. Um, and I'll make it right with Scotty. I'll make it right with Mike. I'll make it right with Phil. And we'll run it back. And that's where I think you bring up a great point of, you know, it was just essentially, you know, forever it was just, you know, Jerry Krause was the whack-a-mole, essentially. You know, what, whatever it wasn't good, whoever wasn't happy with anything, well, guess what? We put it on a little, you know, disturbed guy in the corner. It's all on Jerry Krause, forever always on Jerry Krause. Um, the thing, and with the pizza, look, you know, I, I don't think anybody in their right mind believes it. Um, if a pizza is going to cause you food poisoning, you're probably going to notice something don't look right. I mean, we've all eaten pizza 7 million times in our freaking lives. Um wouldn't you be able to look at something and say, well, that, that really doesn't look right. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like it's some sophisticated dish where you don't know necessarily how to prepare it yourself. It's a freaking pizza. 
I mean, you know if the pizza is undercooked, you know if it's overcooked. I mean, it's it's really easy. So and to blame it on a pizza seems really, really difficult as well here. The one for me, and, you know, uh, as Pete always, any opportunity he gets to remind you that I'm older than him, is for being, and, and like, and I love so many people. Well, I've seen LeBron and I've seen Mike. And you know what? LeBron's on the same plane. Well, dude, you were nine when Michael Jordan played. So let's not act like you, you truly know what the hell you were seeing then. And there's always going to be that divide, probably by how old you are, between LeBron and Mike. And look, I, I, I won't stack them. You know, LeBron James is the best player in the game today. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I, how do you compare to Michael Jordan? You freaking can't. You, you just truly can't. Um, unless they played against each other, there's no way to truly do it. And then you got to factor in the difference of you know the errors they played in and you know all that stuff. LeBron James is a freak. There's no way around it. There is nobody like him at his size and speed and what he can do. Um, so I'm not going to compare any of them. The th- and the other thing for me, Pete, is and it's like the revelation of some of these people. And this is probably being older and watching all of Jordan's career. He was a dick. There was no way around it. Everybody knew it, but he could wow you with the smile. Nobody cared because you want to know what? Everybody had their team to root for. And there was, you know, and all the Bulls fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the Bulls fans usually come, when came creeping out every May. You rooted for who you rooted for, for 82 games. If your team made the playoffs, you rooted for your team. And so Michael usually housed him. You didn't want to see anybody else win. Mike was that dude. And you just knew he was going to do everything there was. And none of this, this stuff that comes out now that it's a mystery. And, and for those who, you know, claim that they were on that. No, you would have known it then. You know, you knew he was tough on players. You know, Horace Grant hated his ass. Scott Burrell was another one. He was just, you know, and whether, you know, and, and Mike can say, oh, well, this is the what I used to get where I wanted to be. Hey, look, I mean, that could be also a way of, you know, trying to basically you know, say what it is now and, and try to justify your actions. But nobody cared. He was the best player in the damn world, he won consistently, crazy consistently. And if he was a dick about doing it, he didn't care. And anybody watching and, and enjoying the success, nobody cared either. Uh, well, the thing is, like, well, first of all, history is written by the winners. And in this case, the survivors, which is really what is getting Gary Krause. He's not allowed to defend himself, um, and that's you know that's a big part of this. Um, Jordan being a dick was a given; it was known, and it's one of those things where he won, so it's okay. Like, and that's what it comes down to. If he wasn't, you know, if he didn't have the six championship, if he wasn't that that player, he wouldn't be regarded the same way. So it's just that's just how it is. If you if what winners or the best or whatever sort of excused uh, or, or explained away or however you want to put it uh, because they, they were successful. So basically what they did, um, it's it, it sort of justified. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to the bulls after they won the first one, I, I, I rooted against them basically every other time. I wanted them to lose, uh, and I was disappointed when when it kept working for them. Um, look, I mean, Jordan is whether you want to call him the greatest player of all time, whether you want to call him the great, I don't really care. He's phenomenal. I, I had to see the whole thing, starting with him destroying what was supposed to be the team of the '90s uh, with Mark <laughs> Price, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, 
uh, Hot Rod Williams, so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, he's he's a very thin-skinned man. Um, for all the punishment he, he dished out, he could not take it. Um, and look, that, that, that fueled him. Um, he, he obviously made up some of it to sort of fuel him. But whether it's perceived slights from people saying he couldn't do things or perceived slights about, you know, various things that have gone on in his life, whether it was gambling, whether it was his father, and certainly some of these things are more understandable than other parts of his life. Baseball, I mean, he, he doesn't. He hasn't spoken to Sports Illustrated in a quarter century. He doesn't talk to Charles Barkley anymore because Charles Barkley criticized him as an owner. I mean, he uh, he he chewed his gum like it was Scotty Burrell. Um, he just hated it. <laughs> he has that sort of contempt for everyone who's not as great as him. But when Jordan isn't as good as other people, he he's very difficult to sort of. Uh, sort of live with. I mean, and and that may be why he's sort of the way he is now, where he's very private, he's very guarded, and he's got sort of the people around him that he does. I mean, Charles Barkley was criticizing for having a bunch of yes men, and that may be part of a product of this, where, you know, Jordan was so the way he was that that's all he could really get around him. Uh, it's not to say he doesn't have friends. It's not to say that there aren't people that, you know, that like him and everything, but he is sort of a difficult person to sort of let's put it this way. A little of Jordan goes a long way for people. Um, and, and, you know, you got guys like Patrick Ewing, uh, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, all these guys who, who, who deal with him. And, and Bar- Barkley's a, a great example where, you know, you go hang out with him or whatever, and he basically just crushes you for however many hours you're with him. And that can certainly, uh, run run its run its course pretty quickly so you know arguably the best player ever um but for as 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 tough as he was as hard as he was and and you can argue it's for the sake of getting the championship fine but he was as thin-skinned as he was tough on everybody else oh yeah and there was even the one and it was early in the process where he talked to you know, he was talking to the one reporter and he thanked him. And essentially what it was, it was, you know, an ass kissing piece. And, you know, what do people who, you know, what do people who think they're great want to hear? They want to hear other people tell them how great they are. So, you know, definitely, you know, uh, you know, trapped into that mindset and, you know, certainly, and yeah, and there was no doubt about it. And, you know, you can't talk to Sports Illustrated. Well, I mean, dude, you're 30 something years old trying to play a sport with, you know, 19, 20 year old kids and you can't keep up. What are they supposed to say? Uh, you know what? In a month, Michael's going to be going to the majors. I mean, you know, it, you know, that part got Ridiculous, but you know, and you know, I mean, I guess you know, you carry the persona that you are, and you carry it in every way, what's so possible. Um, but no, I mean, as far as you know, something to do for with no sports going on here, two hours, five, uh, five Sundays in a row, uh, it was great. And for me, it was great to go back memory lane. And for me, it was, you know, in like I said earlier, you know, it was the Knicks, and then all right, here we go, we get to the playoffs. Uh, great, here comes Chicago. Okay, they're not gonna stop them, it's not gonna happen. It's, it's just the way it was every damn spring. And then go watch, you know, Michael beat whoever Michael was going to beat in the finals. We're going to put a bow on this one here on Locked On Browns um, at Browns Digest on Twitter. Make sure you're following uh, Pete and Sean and Brandon and the entire team over from Browns Digest. Make sure you're checking everything out on SI.com. Make sure you're following Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore. 
show itself at Locked On Browns. So always follow back account DMs are open. You know, ask know that any information, any questions, something you guys want, put it on the show. You know, head just hit throw in a DM over there, hit me up over there. Uh, me as well at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. Same thing applies. Stuff you want here. Like we're in this rough part here of May. Um, so, you know, there's something you guys want. I mean, we certainly got the time now here and certainly, you know, be able to turn it into a topic for you guys. If you are interested, this has been your daily delivery of all things. Dog pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.